Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 74 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live Talk Show and Podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. And I'm Tiffany Malanich of GratefulGarden.biz. Today we are talking with the one and only Dr. Aviva Ram about the relationship between the adrenals and the thyroid, which is directly right up my alley, so I cannot wait. We so need this show. This is directly up everyone's alley, even people that aren't thyroid patients. <laughs> I know. I think, anyways. Or that don't oh, really right. know that they might be, right? Oh, I'm, I'm just dying. We got lots to cover today. It's going to be awesome. Okay, if you've missed any of the Thyroid Nation radio podcasts, you can very easily download and listen at your leisure, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, Blog Talk Radio, my goodness, you're just everywhere. Yeah, we want to make very it cool. accessible for people, right? So, here we go. Dr. Aviva Rahm is the mother of four grown children, a Yale trained physician specializing in integrative medicine for women and children, a midwife, an herbalist, an award-winning author of The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, and the creator-owner of WomanWise online courses dedicated to vitality and optimal health for women and children. She's an internationally respected expert in botanical and integrative medicine for women and children. She spent nearly 30 years as a healthcare practitioner and advocate for the health and environmental concerns of women and kids. And she is on fire about creating a better world for all of us. And she does this as a compassionate, integrative physician with a social and environmental conscience. And she's going to do some kind of talk. I don't know. We'll have to ask her, see if she's um, able to share. I believe her daughter said, I think it's her daughter, that they were going to Europe. So uh, she's going over there to do a lecture or something, some kind of conference. So that's very, very cool. Very cool. And this woman, physician, mom, midwife, is the bomb, and she is with us. So let's get this thyroid nation thriving. Good morning. Let's do it. Good morning, ladies. Thanks for having me join you. Oh, oh my we're goodness. So excited. so excited. I'm excited, too. I kept looking at you. I think I need to, like, write something called Up Your Alley. It just sounds really funny. <laughs> Up Your Alley. <laughs> it does. I was thinking the same thing after Tiffany said I thought, Gosh, you know what? All right, that doesn't sound kind of funny. Or maybe people won't catch it, but you know, the New Yorker in me just goes right there. You know, <laughs> I love it. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't have a whole lot of powder puff to me, so yeah, <laughs> it's pretty pretty raw. <laughs> We're so excited, so so excited. Love your blog, your site. You, I just think you are amazing, and so we have so much to cover. It's just, it's going to be power packed. Yay. Yep. Tell Yay. Us, just tell us just a little, you know, since we do have a lot to get into, just tell us a little bit about you, you know, how you kind of started and, and, and all of that. I know it's probably a really long story, but if you could just condense it condense it down and, and give us the highlights. Yeah, it's a kind of a crazy, interesting story. So I'll tell you in a nutshell, because it kind of relates to partly how this book came to be, too, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution. So I grew up in a housing project in New York City with a single mom, went to college at 15 to be a doctor, decided at age 16 to be a midwife and herbalist, left school, apprenticed myself. This was back in, like, 1981. Became a midwife, became an herbalist, 
started my own family, had four kids, practiced midwifery and herbal medicine for 25 years, wrote a bunch of books for moms who wanted to take back their own health around pregnancy and birth and take back their kids' health and prevent all kinds of unnecessary antibiotic use and over-medication, et cetera, et cetera, and then decided, you know what, I really want to change the world even bigger. And I went back to school, four kids in tow, and went to Yale Medical School. This is after homeschooling and running a national uh, organization for herbal professionals and doing a bunch of other stuff. So I went to Yale for med school, did my internal medicine residency at Yale, and then completed my residency in family medicine at Tufts. And along the way, kept doing more and more integrative medicine. And then after that, I spent two years working with Dr. Mark Hyman, kind of getting personal training and being his, one of his right-hand doctors at his clinic uh, in Western Massachusetts, the Ultra Wellness Center, and then a year and a half ago left to start my own practice. And I have a, a small kind of micro practice, partly in New York City, partly in Western Massachusetts. I have four grown kids two grandbabies who, incidentally, I got to midwife at home, which was pretty amazing. Oh, that's and, so cool. Yeah, it's really great. And have written a bunch of books, and including a textbook on herbal medicine for women. And my next book is coming out in uh, January 2017, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution. And, um, and I do a bunch of training with women and uh, women for themselves and for kids online because I'm really about – Kind of the core of my message and the core of my mission is that we really can live replenished. We really can stay healthy. And we can take back our health from unnecessary dependence on pharmaceuticals and other interventions. It doesn't mean that those aren't helpful and important when we need them, but they're just way overused and they have a lot of unintended consequences that can sometimes cause as many or more problems than they were meant to solve. So I use mind-body therapies, food as medicine, food as nourishment, and botanicals and some supplements to help women take back their health and do the same for their families. Whoa. That was That's a, a huge power field. field. That was a power <laughs> field. That, a <laughs> that was a nutshell, and it was just a, whoa. That is a I lot. I want to know and how you kids. did that. I don't know. I don't know how you did it. <laughs> You and know, um, it's kind of an important an important piece of the story. Um, on the one hand, I really love my work. So my work really is a lot of pleasure and a lot of passion to me. So, you know, when some people might be watching TV, which is cool, or reading a novel, which is cool, or doing something else, I've got a textbook or article. So for me, that is a very fun, I know it sounds so weird and geeky, but it's really fun. I love studying, I love learning, and I love translating information for people. So, you know, what sounds like a lot of work for me was a lot of enjoyment and a lot of what I would have been doing anyway, and I'm just grateful for all the women who want to hear it, because otherwise I'd be just talking to myself in a mirror, because <laughs> I love doing this stuff. Um, but then also, I have a really, I've been married for 32 years to the same guy, and he's super supportive, and he, we really um, very much kind of during the years our kids were younger, geared our life much more toward having good work-life balance and supporting each other rather than sort of like going for the CEO jobs. So we were able to be home with the kids a lot, trade off a lot. 
he was a high school teacher than a high school principal, so he had summers and could spot me when I was working on books. And it just kind of all worked out. Um, but it's an important part of the story also. Remember I said earlier um, part of my story is important in how the book got started. And um, what has emerged for me with the whole adrenal thyroid piece is just how hard women are leaning in, how hard we're working to sort of do everything and be everything, right. and how bad we are at taking care of ourselves and putting on our own oxygen mask first, because we were taught, you know, from our mothers and our grandmothers' generations to take care of everyone else and taking care of ourselves is maybe even a little selfish. So a lot of women feel really guilty, and they're, you know, burning the candle at both ends and end up really wiped out and what happened for me, just kind of in a little bit of the backstory, is that, you know, I mentioned growing up in a housing project in New York City with a single mom, and it was a pretty rough place. And my ability to get out of that housing project and go to college at 15 and create a different life for myself was partly based on being really high achieving. And a lot of what I've learned about the whole adrenal stress system and part of how it affects the thyroid, which I know we're going to talk about, is it's our survival mode. And as human beings, we will pretty much do anything we need to to survive. Not consciously. We, you know, we're not consciously manipulative or you right. know, stepping on other people or whatever it is, but we, we will, our survival instinct, our preservation instinct is so great that we adapt behaviors or adopt behaviors that become sort of our adaptive responses to situations that require survival. So for me, getting out of a low-income housing project, stressful home life, um, was associated with the survival mechanism of being very high achieving. And most of these survival mechanisms that we have have a really positive side. So for me, I developed a lot of grit, a lot of determination, a lot of ability to work hard and focus. But they also have a shadow side. And that shadow side for me, for example, was never feeling like I could stop. Because if I stopped, you know, heaven forbid, literally, like my world, in my worldview, in my primitive sort of developmental mind, if I if I stopped and I weren't wasn't working all the time, I really thought that the whole world could come crashing in. Like I would be back in the housing project in a month because I would go broke. And so I really pushed myself for a long time. And I had a patient a few years ago who was in her 60s at the time, and she came to me with pretty significant Hashimoto's. She was wiped out, and her backstory wasn't that dissimilar. She grew up very poor first-generation American, and she had spent her whole life fighting against what I kind of use the term hungry ghosts that were chasing her in her mind, right, this specter of poverty. And so even in her 60s, even with a really successful life and a really successful career and really successful, healthy, grown children who had children of their own, she was still running and running and running and burnt out all the time. And it was a wake-up call for me to sort of step back and say, huh, what's going on for women? What's going on for me that we, when these survival mechanisms that we have when we're young, and it can happen for any number of reasons. A lot of um, family dysfunction can lead to them, but even things that we get approval for or or that get us a sense of belonging. So whether that's high achievement or looking pretty or being thin or 
getting right. the best job or having the coolest friends or being a good girl all the time and never making waves or being quiet or being the peacemaker or being a martyr or never having fun. Everybody got their hungry yeah, ghost. Yeah, gotcha. Exactly. I love that and so, term. Yeah. yeah, and that's how this book kind of came to be was looking at what was going on for women and then reflecting back. Thankfully for me, I have been able to forestall or not have adrenal and thyroid problems, but I could see what direction my trajectory could possibly take me on. So I don't try to be a superwoman or a wonder woman or any of that. I'm really trying to learn to live my life staying replenished rather than depleted. And that's what this book is about, and that's sort of the whole evolution of the connection between adrenals and thyroid. Hungry ghosts, uh, incidentally, the term hungry ghosts, I didn't know this when it popped out of my mouth, but I then looked it up. And hungry ghosts is a term in Buddhism for um, these ghosts that are um, addictions, addictions to behaviors that we, no matter Mm -hmm. what we do, we can't really fill the empty place. And so it's, you know, kind of interesting when we think about some of these behavioral patterns that women have that can turn into also physical maladaptive responses, physical symptoms, and even conditions. Okay, mm. so I'm sitting here. This that, is a real flower that's field profound. moment for me. <laughs> yeah, this is a real, real flower-filled moment for me because I suffer with adrenal issues, and mm. I believe my son does as well. And, you're, you know, as I'm listening to your story, I'm thinking, okay, well, for one thing, you're superwoman, but um, – you know, how are my adrenal issues, you know, because I don't feel like I ever was able to get to my full potential. And I have a, I've always said on the show, on all the different shows, that I feel like looking back it was my adrenals kind of holding me back or, you know, I couldn't ever get to where I wanted to. And, and, yeah. and um, I definitely have – you know, hungry ghost, and, and I believe my son does, and he's really suffering right now, which means we're all suffering. So I'm trying to, like, process everything you said, and I'm trying to kind of piece mine together because an overachiever, well, really, I have moments where, or I had, I'm, you know, as I've gotten older, obviously, it's been easier to adjust and, and kind of, you know, figure out what I need to say and do, but for my son, he has, I guess, I don't know where, how you want to call it, but it's like a, it's a survival um, kind of aspect. So he will get in trouble, and his instinct is to automatically be angry and upset. And, uh, and we're, I believe it's coming from a survival mode. I mean, I really, really do. Totally. I don't know. There are so many reasons that our stress system, and the, this is how I describe the stress system. So it starts in your brain in these two little tiny organs called the amygdala. And the amygdala are the emotional processing parts of the brain that, that they process anything that has to do with a potential threat to our safety. And that can be anything. It can be... Um, stress in your social environment. It can be kids aware of horrible things that are happening in the world. It can be bullying at school. It can be an intrinsically high-achieving um, nature, which many of us have, which isn't a bad thing at all, but, but when we're under constant pressure and constantly telling ourselves we're not achieving enough, that sets the survival mode in, in, in going. 
And then that, those amygdala send a very quick dispatch. So if you think about the amygdala, they're kind of like um, webcams that are catching any sign of danger. Not webcams, but like the cameras like on the highway, right? Anything that would pick up um, a sign of danger lurking somewhere. And then that sends a message to 911 in your brain. The 911 in your brain is your hypothalamus. And then your hypothalamus, which is in the front center of your brain, <clears throat> sends a message to your pituitary gland, which is kind of like the chief at the fire station. The chief at the fire station says, well, I don't mm-hmm. know if there's smoke. I don't know if there's fire, but I've got to respond because I can't take the chance. And the, and the pituitary, the chief of the fire station, sends the alarms ringing at the fire station itself, and that calls the firemen into, into action. The fire station is like your adrenal glands, and the firemen are your cortisol and your adrenaline, and they're going to go running around putting out all kinds of fires. And so the adrenal glands are where these um, chemical hormone, chemicals and hormones are produced that get the stress response going. And part of what the stress response is and when you know it's activated is if you get triggered and you're very reactive, like you're more reactive than maybe we should be to something. And that reaction can either be fear or cowering or crying or becoming unable to respond, or it can become anger, aggression, rage, um, irritability. You know, there's a whole spectrum. But when that system is dysregulated, um, it can become stuck in overdrive. I call it survival overdrive syndrome. It's like the SOS. It's like the survival mode has gotten kicked into gear, and it's just not turning off. And a lot of our social environment in this time and culture that we're living in chronically drives that. I mean, even things like video games, which are violent, which can seem fun, and I'm, you know, I'm not making a judgment on, but they get that survival mode kicked into gear, stress at school, wanting to please parents. There's a lot of things um, that can get it in gear. Interestingly, it's not just emotional things that can get it kicked into gear, but any time that you're experiencing chronic inflammation, that cortisol gets triggered and the adrenaline gets triggered to be circulating in the system to help control that inflammatory reaction. And so it can be something like food intolerances or environmental chemicals or toxins, uh, an actual food sensitivity. Um, There are quite a number of different factors. Gut microbiome disruption can actually cause disruption in the adrenal stress system. In fact, even being born by cesarean and or having antibiotics between the ages of birth and two or three years old can affect the adrenal response set point because it's your microbiome in your gut that helps your nervous system develop properly. So if you had gut disruption at an early age, it can be a factor that makes you a little bit more apt to be reactive than the next puppy that didn't have the antibiotic. So there are quite a number of things that um, surprisingly go into getting this adrenal response going. Now, the adrenal response is a sympathetic nervous system response. It's that fight or flight. And so really great antidotes to that are anything that gets your body into more of a parasympathetic mode, which is that rest and digest. And some simple things that work really beautifully with kids and also have been shown in numerous clinical studies to help kids develop more 
emotional self-awareness and emotional self-regulation are um, yoga, simple breathing exercises and meditation, and body work like massage. So even um, without changing anything else, helping kids and helping ourselves to do those things can switch us out of survival mode. And all of that has also been shown to help the immune system too. I mean, I I hate I to make the show about me, but I totally get it, and I <laughs> and you just totally nailed that for me. But I really feel like my son is pretty much in survival mode all the time. You know, my mm-hmm. husband's like he's so selfish, or he's acting selfish, or or whatever, and he's just like I am, and I was, um, uh, Dr. <laughs> Rom, and I mean, I can see the parallels, and so I kind of try to look at it a different way, and I think to myself. You know, he comes in to get something to eat, and he doesn't offer anybody else, you know, something, or he doesn't look, can I help, you know, can I, would you like something too, or, or those kinds of things. How because old I really, is he? He's 14, and he's right, been yeah. like this since, and since some he of popped that, out. Some of that, too, is really, um, you know, it, it's, I remember when, I remember before when my kids were really tiny, and I was in that, like, oh, I'm so in love with my beautiful children. They're always going to be beautiful and wonderful. And I read this Irma Bombeck quote. You remember Irma Bombeck? She was like yes, a, yeah. yeah. So, so she had a quote that she said, I wish I could put my kids into um, deep freeze when they turn 14 and defrost them at 21. And I thought, oh, my God, what mother would say that? But then going through four teenage kids, especially three teenage girls, I was like, oh, I get what she's saying. And, um, you know, part of it at that age is that they haven't fully developed their executive function yet. Like, their frontal right. lobes are still forming. So it's partly we've got to cut them some slack, and I, at, you know, between those ages, and then just kind of, like, check in with them and sort of help them figure out what their stressors are, you know, what's going on that may be driving that survival mode. Um, you know, is there stuff at school? Is there stuff at home in the family dynamics? Kids will adopt all kinds of different roles in the family depending on what their counterpoint right. is. You know, sometimes they, sometimes kids are bored and they just want to stimulate some kind of stress or distress just to get some action going. So kind right. of looking at all the different factors. And then, of course, looking at the food situation, I if there's something gonna going say, on. Ding, ding, mm-hmm. ding, there's the huge thing. I mean, I know you're going to cover that, but diet and nutrition and nutrient deficiencies in the adrenal glands are, are yeah. huge. Yeah, let's, let's jump into yeah, that. Absolutely. So one thing is that stress uses up a lot of nutrients. And we know from studies that have been done looking at diets in the United States, most Americans are in what's called a phytonutrient gap, meaning we're getting far less nutrition from our plant sources than we should be. In fact, Americans are getting about one-tenth of what they're supposed to be getting nutritionally from their food, and many are not supplementing. Um, some, a study done, I think it was 2009, by the um, World Health Organization showed that most Americans are deficient, not insufficient, but actually deficient in magnesium. And just thinking about magnesium, it's so important for calm, emotional self-regulation amongst a whole bunch of things. Um, other activities, including controlling sugar cravings, too, and chocolate cravings. So, you know, then you've got this deficiency that leads to sort of more high stress, less emotional regulation, and then craving for things that don't help your nutritional status either. 
So we're, we're very deficient in what we need to get. Teenagers, like toddlers, tend to be on the pickier side and want to eat fats and sugar and salty things. Right. They want to drink soda and have juice and do all the things their friends are doing. So it's kind of a tough time, but I think, you know, as much as possible, kind of doing things as a family, eating together, and talking about it. You know, just talking about it can be right. so important. And, it, you Making know, I think as parents, connection. we... Yeah, as parents, it's so easy to be reactive to what's going on with our kids instead of sort of taking a step back and sort of a 30,000-foot view. And almost like if this were somebody else's kid, if this were your best friend's kid, how would you talk to them about what's going on? Because I think we take our own kids' stuff. I know I do. I mean, if something's going on with my kids, I take it personally. Like, what did I do wrong? What could I be doing different? And, and my reactivity well, that's human to nature. Them. Yeah, exactly. So if right. we can step back and sort of like... Pretend they're the Look neighbor's kid who's party. coming to you. For, <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah. No, that's actually an, um, an awesome uh, advice, you know. I have four kids, too, and it is. It's very personal. But if you do, if you kind of step outside and look at it as a third person, you see it a little bit differently, I think, sometimes. It's a, it's yeah. a good, like, almost double-check system. So I have a, a quick question, just kind of reeling it backwards a little bit. Yeah. With, there's so many women, particularly hypothyroid women, that, that have a tendency to hold on to a little bit more weight. They don't eat. They don't eat enough. Can you just plug in for us what that does to the adrenal glands? <laughs> Absolutely. So your brain requires nutrition. It particularly requires glucose. And so anytime you're skipping meals, having episodes of low blood sugar, um, not getting enough caloric nutrition, like not actually getting enough calories from your diet, or not getting the right kind of calories that sustain you, so maybe you're getting plenty of calories from sugar and empty carbs, but not good quality fats, protein, good quality carbs, your brain sees that as a red alert. So it's one of those triggers that gets your brain to send that fire alarm to your adrenals. And what happens is one of the primitive stress response mechanisms that the adrenals have evolved to have is when our brain perceives that we're not getting enough nutrition, you guess what our adrenals do? They pump out cortisol because that's what the adrenals do when we're under stress, especially prolonged or recurrent stress. And cortisol does a number of things and one of those things is it makes you pack on weight because your brain's thinking well i don't know when this woman's going to eat again so i better hold on to every bit of nutrition and every calorie she's getting and then it gets even more interesting in the body's infinite wisdom and infinite protect uh, goal to protect us it stores on that weight and guess where it stores it in two ways it stores it as belly fat and it stores extra um sugar as triglycerides or fat as cholesterol, which is part of why women with low thyroid end up with high cholesterol. One of the symptoms that's often overlooked of hypothyroid is actually high cholesterol. So what happens is then we pack this weight around our bellies because of cortisol, and um, that belly fat is actually particularly problematic because it's not just muffin tops and flubber on the surface it's actually inflammatory fat cells underneath. And those inflammatory fat cells do some crazy things. They say, well, she's not getting enough nutrition, so 
we're going to store all this fat, but we're going to make her crave more nutrients. We're going to make her crave more because she wasn't getting enough. So you actually start to crave sugar, cortisol, and some other chemicals that get um, triggered as part of this um, fat, belly fat, actually make sugar, fatty foods, and salty foods taste better to your mouth, and they make you more addicted to them. So you keep wanting more and more. And then the other thing cortisol does is says, well... If there's not enough energy, maybe we should turn down the thermostat, right? Think about, like, the energy Mm -hmm. crisis. What do we do? We turn Mm -hmm. down the thermostat Mm -hmm. to save oil. Well, what's the body's thermostat? Your thyroid. And so when you have elevated cortisol, it it tells your thyroid that there's a crisis going on, and it's an energy crisis. So the thyroid shouldn't work as hard to, to burn up energy, right? So it dials back metabolism. And then you've got a vicious cycle. You, you gain more weight. And so that is part of the whole adrenal thyroid vicious cycle that Connection. can happen. Right. Yeah, exactly. Can I ask you all, a quick mm-hmm. Of course. Oh, no, I was going to say, just, you know, I mean, you are so amazing, and you have your head wrapped around as a physician the adrenal glands and, and thyroid. And why, 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 why does mainstream conventional medicine refuse to – acknowledge adrenal fatigue you know they, it's only an extreme cushing's or addison's they don't they exactly don't, they don't recognize that that middle ground of holy cow you know what i mean why yeah. why is that yeah it's a great question you know i try to remind women who are struggling with this question for themselves like do i really have a condition or not because my doctor doesn't think this is one is that if you go back into the medical literature from even 15 years ago Fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome were not considered real diagnoses either. And, in fact, even though they are considered real medical diagnoses with diagnostic codes, many doctors, probably about 60% of doctors according to studies, still don't believe that they're medical conditions. So it takes about 17 years for scientific research that's happening at research institutions to actually trickle out to practicing doctors in the community. So there's just sort of a gap between what's what's known and what's practiced and what's taught in medical schools. You know, I think there are also some other issues that happen. For one, conventional medicine is very much built on if you can't prove it, it doesn't exist. And right, right. everything is very black and white, right? So you could have a woman who comes in with a TSH that is like, 0.2% to 0.2 points away from a diagnosis of hypothyroidism. But her doctor can say, I know you're tired. I know you've gained 40 pounds in the last three months. I know your hair is falling <laughs> out. I know you're not sleeping, blah, 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 blah. But you don't have a diagnosis because you haven't crossed that line yet. So there's a real black and white limited thinking right. uh, there. Right. CBC, TSH, CMP, all exactly. that's normal. <laughs> exactly. So. And then, and then we get into also issues around how are we even diagnosing some of these conditions? You know, what are the standards that we're using for thyroid diagnosis, for example? So I think that what we're ha- what we're on right now, what we're in right now, is sort of we're on the precipice. And and, and I should add this in: as cultures and societies shift into different. Um, not epochs, because I think an epoch is like a technical period of time, but into different sort of phases, we see new conditions emerge. And so 
our grandparents did not have chronic fatigue syndrome. Our grandparents did not have rampant autoimmune diseases. There are so many emerging conditions now that are based on a constellation of, of what our ecology is as human beings. So we're under a lot more chronic stress than in, in modern history, at least. We're getting exposed to chemical triggers in our environment. And there are like 80,000 chemicals, at individual chemicals at any given time circulating the environment. So scary. And only 200 of those have ever been studied for safety in, in full safety in our, in our health. And, you know, in 30 years, the um, Environmental Protection Agency, I think, has banned only something like seven chemicals ever. And so, you know, we're having Isn't the whole crazy? onslaught. It's, it's terrible. And then the foods that we're eating, um, you know, many of us have developed food intolerances because of the antibiotics exposure. So there are a lot of factors that are new leading to new conditions, like we've seen with um, right. fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome. Or, you know, my kids were little autism rates were like 1 in 15,000. Now, according to the CDC, it's That's 1 crazy. in 68. One so in eight? 68, 68. Oh, 68. Oh. Yeah, one in 68. But that's a cascade um, and of this, this domino effect, yeah, right? I mean, that's exactly. too many. Exactly, and so we have like this overload. whole set of, right. of, it's exactly right, it's, it's overload. And that's a lot of what the book is about, is all the different things that conspire to put our systems on what evolutionary biologists call an evolutionary mismatch. We were we were built to handle quite a bit of stress. I mean, human beings are incredibly resistant. I mean, I spent a month doing medical care in Haiti, and when you think about what people there experience and still wake up in the morning and get out of bed and smile, it's pretty amazing. We're very resilient. But the right. onslaught of so many factors is exceeding our body's ability to keep up with things like detoxification and metabolism, metabolism and elimination and stress. And so we have a situation where we're seeing symptoms and clusters of things that are arising medically but don't necessarily have a name for them. And the last thing I would add to that is that most of the folks who are struggling with thyroid disease, most of the folks who are struggling with adrenal overwhelm, and most of the folks who are struggling with autoimmune disease in women, in general, are women, and many of these symptoms are fatigue, depression, weight gain, and there is very well-documented medical bias against women to where a lot of these kind of symptoms are described as complaining or you know, dismissed right. as complaining, or if we just had more willpower, we'd exercise more and eat better, right. or depression, and then we're medicated. Like one in four to one in six women is on right. an antidepressant now. So the fact that it's mostly women experiencing these, I think, is a big reason that the diagnosis, the awareness just hasn't risen to the surface yet. But it will. I'm quite confident. It's coming, right? We have great hopes, right, for the future yeah. of medicine. <laughs> I'm very hopeful. You know, and Especially with the, the functional medicine, and integrative movement. women like yourselves yeah. who are citizen, you know, citizen scientists like you two, people who are saying, okay, you know, we're not getting what we need really from the medical community, so we're going to do our own research and take back our health is a really powerful shift that we're seeing. And, you know, there are a lot of experts out there, so it can make it, you know, and I'm saying experts with air quotes, that can make it really right. hard to sort right. through who knows what. But on the other hand, right. 
there are a lot of women who are just figuring this out for themselves and sharing the information, and that's powerful. We did a, this is going to break your heart, Aviva, I know, but we did a survey recently that we're going to mention for, for um, everyone listening, but that, that was asking how much healing has come from information that you received from your doctors. It's, it's, a, it's a thyroid survey. Mm-hmm. And then after you take the survey, they're, they're developing an app for thyroid patients. But after you take the survey, you can see the, the general consensus of people's responses. And the information that patients had received from their doctors was in the very low category of what had helped them heal. Yes. And it broke my heart. I mean, I, I literally was like, oh, you know, because I have a, a tremendous respect for conventional medicine. I've had kidney failure twice, liver failure once, my, you know, and that started at six years old. So mm-hmm. I have been a patient my entire life. And, and you know, obviously just in, in immense gratitude for conventional medicine. And patients are angry. They're angry with yes. physicians. They're like, you should be helping me. You should know. And so to see that survey, I was just, I was heartbroken. I was like, hold on, wait, things are changing, it's coming. There's doctors out there, you know, especially when you expose yourself to Mark Hyman and, and, and you and all kinds of amazing physicians, I mean, Dr. Holtorf, and, that are really fighting for patients. But I was heartbroken. You would have been heartbroken. <laughs> yeah. No, like, it's oh, really sad. Oh, no, when I was in medical, when I was in my medical training, I um, had to do my rounds every morning on my patients, and I had one patient who was hospitalized for four months for prenatal. She had pregnancy, severe complications. This was her fourth baby, so her kids would come in at the I end had of the day. Help syndrome with my first child. Oh yeah, she had um, a placenta. <laughs> crazy. She had a placenta previa, so she had oh, to be bedridden. God. And yeah. um, so I would save my rounding on her for last every single morning so I could spend a little more time with her. You know, she felt scared because she could hemorrhage literally at any time, and she was frustrated. She couldn't. She felt sad because she couldn't be home with her older kids. And so right. I'd go in and I'd right. spend a little more time with her every morning. And I walked out of her room one day, and one of the doctors saw me coming out of her One of my seniors saw me coming out of her room, and he said, Dr. Rahm, if you're ever going to be a good doctor, you need to spend less time talking with your patients. And he was dead serious. You know, this was like a ding on my report card. And I just remember thinking, this is exactly what's wrong with medicine, is we just don't make time to listen and connect. And it's like, you know, check off the boxes, and if you don't fit the actual box, you know, you don't meet the diagnosis or whatever it is, you're told you're fine and you're sent home confused or Right, really, right. I've had so many women who start to think, maybe it really is in my mind. Maybe I really am depressed. So it makes me angry, too. And it, Ang- I know it does. I know it does. <laughs> it's also frustrating because, because when, when you're not feeling well and, and you've finally gotten to the point where you, you know, you've gone to the doctor and, and they haven't helped you or they've put, you know, given you levothyroxine, like, like for for me exactly, for an example. And, okay, so I thought, okay, great. So I have Hashimoto's, and, and that's fine. And so I took my medicine, and it was adjusted lots of times during the – and, you know, a year later when I'm worse, I'm angry, and I feel more terrible. And then I'm I'm angry because I have to figure it out myself. Now, it's also empowering when you start doing that. But in the very beginning, it it, it makes you upset because you're like, you know what? I went to you. You're the doctor. You're supposed to know – 
And this isn't fair because, you know, I didn't spend my life in going to medical school and doing all that stuff. This was your path, and I came to you for help and paid you money. And I can't think right now. I, I don't yeah. feel good. How am I supposed to learn <laughs> what to right. do for myself when I can't hardly get out of bed? How can I advocate? Right. So, so there's also that aspect, which makes you really, really angry, too. Yeah, I mean, it's exhausting to have a condition that is exhausting and then to have to figure out what you can do for yourself. And there's no end of websites and information. Which can be overwhelming in and of itself. It's very overwhelming. It really is. Yeah. So let's shift this positive. We've heard the role of stress in Hashimoto's. We've heard the role of gut in Hashimoto's. We've heard the adrenals in Hashimoto's. Let's, Let's shift this to a positive. What is, talk a little bit about the spectrum of adrenal dysfunction and how do you test Aviva Ram, someone who is a, is a thorough, integrative functional physician, how do you test for adrenal Great dysfunction? Question. So the spectrum of adrenal dysfunction ranges from the earliest little inklings of I'm chronically overwhelmed, I'm not sleeping well, you know, the little disruptions that we know we're out of balance but we keep pushing to where that crosses over into, okay, I'm really losing it here. I'm at the end of my rope. I am irritable. I am snapping at my partner. I am not going to sleep at night. I'm waking up exhausted. Those really um, hypervigilant, agitated, irritable, overwhelmed, highly triggered kind of um, sensations and feelings that we have. Mm-hmm. That can include things like weight gain because we're pumping up too much cortisol. It can include things like almost never getting sick but then crashing on your first day of vacation or the first day after you've taken exams or presented a presentation, something like that, all the way to, um, and I call that adrenal overdrive. That's when the adrenals are doing their work but they are just not shutting down because the stress is relentless. And so you've gotten into sort of a hyper-stimulated, hyper-reactive, hyper-vigilant mode. There's often anxiety um, during that time as well. And then that can progress all the way into what is sometimes erroneously called adrenal fatigue. It's not that the adrenals are actually fatigued. The adrenals are still doing their work. It's only when you get into conditions like, um, you know, like Addison's or something where you're just completely not producing cortisol, and that's a potentially fatal condition. But what it really is is that your brain says, okay, we're going to stop crying wolf here. We've We've been setting off these four alarm fires, but nothing's happening, and this person is just, responding to the fire all the time, we're going to burn out the fire station. And so the brain just tells the adrenals to sort of stop producing as much adrenaline and stop producing as much cortisol. And so it's not that the, it's not that the adrenals are fatigued, it's that you become fatigued. Um, adrenaline gives you stimulation and motivation and focus and concentration, and cortisol keeps your energy up. It gets you awake in the morning it's stimulating, it's motivating as well, and it also keeps your immune system protected and ramped up, and it helps your immune system stay regulated so that your immune system isn't fighting fires that it shouldn't be fighting. So when you get into right. that phase, which I call adrenal depletion, or um, it just, in a, an, I, so I, I term these in the book as SOS, Survival Overdrive Syndrome, 
and it's either survival overdrive syndrome in the overdrive phase or survival overdrive syndrome in the exhaustion phase. And in that phase, you know, people can feel very depressed, depleted, have a really hard time getting up in the morning, um, can feel fatigued in the morning even after a good night's rest. There's often weight gain, often getting sick, you know, with everything that comes around. You'll often see people having a lot more things like herpes flares or cold sores, reactivation of Epstein-Barr virus. And that's where you start to see people often cross into autoimmune conditions as well because the immune system is not taking care of the on-off switch very well. And so the way I test sometimes and very often, in fact, is really just based on questionnaire. It's just based on surveys. And I will have – there are surveys in the book, and they'll be on my website um, ultimately, too, when the book comes out. Awesome. When is that expected? I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. um, You can actually pre-order it now, and it's going to be available January 24th, 2017. I'm on it. (laughs) <laughs> Yay, thank you. Oh, yeah. So, Already on. Um, so what what I do is really often based on symptoms, but I've seen these patterns over and over. If somebody is showing symptoms that make me concerned that they actually have an adrenal disease, so, for example, they're really dizzy all the time, they're having very low blood pressure, they get dizzy when they stand up, they're extremely tired, can't get out of bed, um, I will sometimes check conventional cortisol testing. So I'll do a 24-hour urine cortisol, and then based on that, know whether to do more investigation of more endocrinology testing based on that. But that's very rare that that's back positive. Yes. Um, You know, to be sure. So you do the urine testing, the 24-hour urine. Exactly, exactly. But if somebody's coming in with sort of this general spectrum that we've talked about, I will often do a 24-hour salivary cortisol test. Now, it's considered by many doctors to be alternative testing, but if you look in the medical literature, it is not alternative testing. It is very conventionally established as valid. The problem Mm -hmm. is that it's really a snapshot, not a big picture. So, for example, let's pretend that you're wondering if you have an adrenal problem and you do your adrenal testing, and then you're going to the dentist's office the next day. But let's say you have dental phobia. If you check your adrenal cortisol the day before right. and all day long you've been having dental phobia, your it's adrenal cortisol flying. level is going to be <laughs> off. Yeah. So it's still a good snapshot to how you respond to stress. Um, and it's a very effective test to look at um, what your cortisol patterns are throughout the day. Cortisol should be elevated in the morning, and then as the day progresses, it gradually decreases like a, a gentle sloping ski slope or mountain so that by nighttime, around 10 to midnight, it's actually at its lowest, and then it starts to go up again. So when you look at the 24-hour... When you look at the 24-hour cortisol testing, you get four samples throughout the day. And those four samples give you a snapshot of what it looks like in the morning, what it looks like mid-morning, what it looks like in the uh, afternoon, and what it looks like around midnight. You stay up or you wake up and you do a, a sample and you just spit into a tube and you send off your saliva. And that can be very helpful at looking at what your individual pattern is. So it can tell you, yeah, you know, your saliva, your 24-hour salivary cortisol is really low in the morning, and then you can say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I'm really depressed when I wake up or I'm really tired in the morning. 
or mm-hmm. it might be really jacked up at midnight or 2 when it's supposed to be still kind of low, and then it explains why you can't fall asleep or why you're waking up at 2 in the morning. That's right. me. What you just <laughs> <Yeah>. said, all <laughs> of that, low in the morning and then jacked up at 2, that's when I wake up. Yeah. That's a hard how one. About for, how about for thyroid? So for what, thyroid what is your, testing. What is your spectrum of thyroid testing? Yeah, so usually at the onset, if I suspect a thyroid problem, I check TSH, I check free T4, free T3, and antibodies. I don't always check reverse T3 at that first time, but um, a lot of, you know, most conventional doctors were taught just to check the TSH at that first visit. One, it means if the TSH is abnormal, I still have to have my patient go back, my exhausted hypothyroid patient go back and get more testing, which doesn't seem fair and reasonable. But also you can have, um, for example, particularly during pregnancy, you can have a normal TSH, even when you're talking about the more um, narrow way of looking at TSH, the way I look at it, um, which is another conversation unless you want to go there, and we can. Um, But you can have a normal TSH, and you can have elevated antibodies. And those elevated antibodies, particularly the thyroperoxidase antibody, is very, very highly predictive that a woman will develop postpartum thyroiditis, so either Graves or Hashimoto's. Ooh. And so knowing Never heard that, that you have that TPO elevated is really important for helping her stay well and understanding what's going on postpartum. But if all we ever checked was TSH, we'd never know that. Similarly, somebody can have an elevated TPO way before they show disruption in their thyroid in their thyroid hormone or, or in their TSH, and you can catch things early and prevent the thyroid damage from having not happening. You can also have um, a normal TSH, um, or let's say you can have a normal uh, free T4, but an abnormal free T3. But if you didn't check the complete panel, you wouldn't know that. So. There are a lot of nuances. We just love you. Oh, thank <laughs> we you. We just want to clone you. We just want to Aww. take Aviva Rom and clone her. <laughs> well, the book helps a little bit. Agent. Yeah, so oh I had to kind God. of learn that on my own. I definitely did not learn that in medical school. And frankly, I have learned so much from my Hashimoto's patients. I mean, as you guys know, you didn't get the information from your doctors. You had to learn it on your own. And it was my patients coming in. One, I, I never... I mean, I'm trained in internal and family medicine, so I have strong training in endocrinology. And working with women, of course, I knew I'd be working with women's hormones a lot. I never imagined how central thyroid health would be in my practice, but so many women are struggling and have taught me so much. Mm. Yay for us. (laughs) Yeah. If you knew how much research that thyroid patients do on their own, you would be like, they just need a medal. They all need a medal. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Oh, that's terrible, but true. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about Aviva Ram's favorite gut and adrenal healing, what people can do for themselves. What, what, what can we do for ourselves to heal those two components? Great. Um, great question. I love it. Um, so for the gut, I recommend something called a 4R program. And this is something that kind of um, was born in naturopathic and herbal medicine and now permeates the functional and integrative medicine world. And it's a very simple concept. The 4Rs are remove. What you're removing are any triggers 
of gut damage or gut disruption. So you are um, getting control of overgrown candida or getting control of um, bacterial dysbiosis in the gut, and you can do that with uh, herbs, you can do that with supplements, and you do it with diet. You're also getting rid of any food triggers. So that's going to be individual, but I always put my patients on an elimination diet during that remove phase. So we're getting rid of the big triggers, the gluten, the dairy, right. the things that are common culprits in gut inflammation, leaky gut, or autoimmunity. And then, so the next phase after remove is to replace. And what you're replacing there is um, depleted enzymes, so digestive enzymes, uh, hydrochloric acid is often low when there's Hashimoto's, stomach acid is often low. So I'm, again, I'm using herbs, I'm using things like apple cider vinegar, I'm using, when I talk about herbs, I'm using things like bitter herbs. And um, then the next phase after that is rep- re- um, repair. And here's where you're repairing the gut lining because there's often something called leaky gut, which over on my website I have blogs and podcasts. There's tons right. of information that women can find on these specifics, and men too, because um, I don't want to leave the men out. Men are often undiagnosed as well because it's less common in men, so often men just they get that boat missed altogether in, in their testing. Not to mention the fact that men are, are much less apt to address their issues. I'll be Absolutely. fine. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll be fine. Very true. <laughs> You're like Very true. So in right. the repair phase, we're healing the gut lining itself, and we're doing that with a variety of herbs that are healing to the digestive mucosa, that lining, that gut lining, that are very soothing, things like marshmallow root, licorice, um, uh, slippery elm bark, and then supplements like zinc carnosine and L-glutamine, which can be healing. Now, I do want to give a caveat that not all of these are safe during pregnancy, and, and I go into that, which ones are in the book and over in my blogs and, and so forth. I won't belabor that right now. And then the final phase is re-inoculate, and that's where you're adding in the probiotics, the prebiotics. And often I'm doing those phases concurrently, so it's not necessarily consecutive. It really depends on the individual and on the how much disruption they have in any one of those sort of phases. And then for, um, did you ask me for adrenal healing for gut and for adrenal? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. So for adrenal yes. healing, you know, um, I always try to start with the mind-body work. So um, taking a real honest look at what's causing us to be in overdrive in our life. Are we saying yes to things that we need to be saying no to? Do we have too much on our plate? Are we in stressful life situations? And if so, what can we do about it? For example, many of us, who are at the age of getting diagnosed with thyroid disease are simultaneously taking care of teenagers and elderly parents at the same time. Uh, Or we may have young children at the same time or starting new jobs or graduate school. So looking at all the, you know, confounding stresses that sometimes aren't going to go away, how can we learn to handle our stress better? And that's where simple things come into that are simple and sound so woo-woo but are really so well studied and effective like taking five minutes or even three minutes when you wake up in the morning really it's being very deliberate about your day so instead of jumping up in the morning and looking at your text messages and your emails sit up in bed three minutes have your alarm you know if you use your iphone as an alarm have it on the other side of the room and have it wake you up 
with some gentle meditation music and sit or meditation sounds and sit in bed cross-legged, leaning against the back of your bed, three minutes of deep breathing. When you take a shower, instead of thinking about all the things you need to do that day, just let that water wash over you and do some deep breathing. When you do deep breathing, do your inhalation to the count of about five and then your exhalation for about the count of eight when you're doing intentional breathing because that little bit of extra exhale actually activates that parasympathetic nervous system, that restful, more meditative phase. If you can get yoga into your routine a couple of times a week, amazing. Even walking in nature, fabulous. Women who are in very stressful jobs or have very stressful daytime life who decompress for 15 minutes at the end of the workday, so let's say around between 5 and 6.30, just 15 minutes of doing something like taking a walk, reading a book, grabbing a relaxing shower. My favorite thing is to crank up boy band music like The Clash and dance my head <laughs> off. Um, but Dancing actually, is very but, therapeutic. <laughs> Even so music, therapeutic. listening to favorite music, yeah. Yes. And women who do that, and studies have been shown in nurses particularly, so these studies are done specifically in women who have intense day jobs, have been shown to actually reset their evening cortisol to a normal rhythm and get better sleep. And better sleep means you're going to have less cravings for sugar and coffee the next day. You're going to, you know, your weight's going to regulate. So some of those things. And then I love um, a few supplements and herbs that are specifically beneficial for healing and nurturing the adrenals particularly some of the ones I love for calming the adrenals, which I always recommend before doing those stimulating herbs like ginseng. If you're, adrenal, if you're tired, it's better to nourish and rest. And that's another thing. When your right. body needs to rest, so you've got to rest. Oh, yeah, yep. awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, but a few of my favorite herbs for this are ashwagandha, reishi, holy basil. These are very, very gentle and they're not going to make most people feel overstimulated. You don't have to worry about blood pressure or anything like that on these. And uh, vitamin C is used up by the adrenal cortex when you're under a lot of stress. So getting about 1,000 milligrams a day of buffered ascorbic acid. There's a supplement called phosphatidylserine, which has been shown to be helpful of the adrenals. Uh, B-complex, very, very supportive of that stress response. So these are kind of some of the in a nutshell, some of the main things that I recommend. And being good to ourselves. You know, I think we push ourselves so hard and we don't give ourselves permission to pause. And when you asked me earlier kind of how do I do it all, I'm really good at knowing when I need to stop. And so, and that's been something I've learned over the years, but knowing your, knowing your body signs. We all have different body signals that tell us when we're getting too far to the edge of our inner calm and our inner resources, comfort zone. And so rather than pushing ourselves past that, learning to recognize those little inner inklings early and honor our bodies and listen to our bodies and when our bodies, bodies are asking for a pause, getting really comfortable with hitting the pause button, you know, saying to your family, I need 10 minutes, I need an hour, I need a day. Uh, is super, super important to stay replenished and kind of keep your energy way above the gas tank empty line. 
Keeping your blood sugar balanced is another one that I didn't mention, but as we talked about blood right. sugar earlier. We did a little bit in the we did a little bit in the beginning, yeah. Yeah, so that's so another one super more, important one. One more quick question because I know I know you're super busy and we've appreciated you taking all this time with us. I'm delighted. But it's really important, so if you could just, you know, answer this it would be awesome. Do all women with Hashimoto's need thyroid medication? Can women get off their thyroid medication? What is your advice about that because that's a huge topic i mean yeah you know yeah it's a huge topic it is it is and i'd love to hear uh you know your response to that yeah no i love this question and i think you know when we think of ourselves as healthy and then all of a sudden we have this diagnosis it can make us think of ourselves as unhealthy and then when you're prescribed a medication that you're told you're probably going to need for you're going to probably need for life all of a sudden you've got these images like, oh, my gosh, I'm my great-grandmother. Like, I'm going to be on 80 medications. But um, <laughs> the reality is, <laughs> you know that feeling, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not healthy anymore. Right. So there are a couple of things. One, if you do need thyroid medication, I, I really encourage women to think about it not as a drug that's doing something to your body, but as your body's own hormone being supplemented because external stressors that you had no control over got you to this point. So, you know, just to kind of normalize it, it's not like you're taking an antibiotic or birth control pills or something that's doing something sort of more toxic or overwhelming. It's just really think of it as a supplement. That said, no, not all women who have a thyroid diagnosis need thyroid medication. Some women may need it for a little while as a jump start to get back on track. Some women may need it for, you know, a year or more. Um, some women don't need it at all. I mean, just to give you an example of a patient who came to me, she had been diagnosed with Hashimoto's. Her thyroid antibodies were in the 800s, so very, very high, her TPO. And she was exhausted. I mean, she was so exhausted to the point that she had been working at the same job for 15 years, and she had uh, full-time. She had to cut back to part-time because she was so tired. She was having trouble taking care of her kids. And she hadn't started thyroid medication when she came to me because she was also having some other symptoms, including really severe bloating. Well, it turns out that she actually had true celiac disease, not just gluten intolerance, which can be wow. severe in itself, but she had celiac. Within three months of going on a completely gluten-free diet, and we had to get really, really strict. Like she had to use separate cutting boards, a separate toaster, because her family was still using gluten products in the house, um, you know, separate sponge for her dishes because the family didn't want to go off of gluten completely, and she didn't want to put them through that with the young kids. And... uh but within three months, and she never started the medication for thyroid, her antibodies were normalizing. Not normalized all the way, because that can take months and months or more to normalize. Right. And she started feeling great again, and she never needed thyroid medication. So I have seen that. And, I, you know, I never know going into it which of my patients is going to be the one that does or doesn't need it. So we just right. always go into it with a kind of like let's see attitude. And there are women who um, can actually go off of their thyroid medication as well. Sometimes women have gotten an overzealous thyroid diagnosis from a functional or integrative doctor. I've seen this happen too where they had muscle testing or some other testing, and I don't mean to sound disparaging of that, but they had that testing and never had conventional testing. 
and in fact may never have actually had thyroid disease but were put on it because they were tired and overweight. And that's a danger too. There are other things that can cause women to be really tired or gain weight. So in some cases I've had people come off of thyroid medication because they really didn't have a true thyroid diagnosis and other things were going on. And other women really had um, improved so much <clears throat> with their <clears throat> excuse me, management of their diet, healing their lifestyle, and um, using herbs and supplements that have done enough repair. Sometimes they've had non-Hashimoto's uh, thyroiditis where they needed selenium or they needed other and nutrients to support their right. thyroid. Yeah, there's a small percentage of women, but that I've seen turn around as well. So um, and I, I never go into thyroid example. medication as suiting. What's that? I was going to say, as an example, I went from 120 to 60 on my armor because I had uh, active Epstein-Barr. So yep. is that oh, healed? Oh, that's another huge I was so one. grateful, yep. so grateful for my thyroid medication during that time. But then I became hyper, and we had to drop down to 60. And, yep. you know, uh, it's it's just, there's you know, there's no one thyroid situation that fits in a neat slot of, of treatment. You know, you've mentioned so many things that can cause thyroid problems, and it's so important to, to find those problems and not just stay on the medication and ignore the rest of them. Absolutely. And when you asked what I test for earlier, um, I often will test in conjunction with thyroid testing for acute and chronic Epstein-Barr virus, and then I will often check iodine as well at that time to see what's oh, going on. And you. I'll do a full we nutrient need to clone you. So I'll also check oh, I'll also check <laughs> cholesterol at that time if the if thyroid if thyroid comes back abnormal showing hypo I check cholesterol, and I'll also check the common things being common, like I'll check a CBC, a complete blood count, to make sure it's not anemia that's causing the fatigue. Right, and I, my ferritin was very low. My my ferritin, uh, my yes. CBC was normal, but my ferritin was seven. I mean, it just yeah, I, always I had check a critical B12 and Epstein Barr. I had my Hashimoto's antibodies that were only. You know, 297. It wasn't anything crazy, but I mean, there were there were multiple factors. It wasn't just one, you know. But honest to Pete, just incredibly grateful for my thyroid medication because I went from, you know, crushing fatigue. I'm you know self-employed, four kids, and I am so grateful. I'm very grateful for my doctor, my my GP, and my and my endocrinologist that were both amazing with helping me manage the journey and rule things out and look further when. You know, the Epstein-Barr diagnosis was, was, that was six months into my thyroid medication that they found that because yeah. I still just had what I refer to as crushing fatigue. It was like, this has got to be better than this. <laughs> Did you, you know, have joint, but, joint aches and pains? And Oh, my gosh. I mean, I, had, yeah. I literally felt, honest to God, Aviva, like I had been hit by a car. So yeah. having been a patient for so very long, you know, I've been a food-controlled diabetic since I was 19, I've removed many things. So when I hit that, you know, uh, my mom, I took care of my mom with Alzheimer's until she passed. And, you know, so that in and of itself was very scary. So when I started to lose cognition and, you know, be extremely forgetful, I had, you know, the idea of making dinner to me was completely overwhelming. Mm. I mean, like, I would start to stress about that at 9 o'clock in the morning. I mean, it was, that sounds so stupid now, but... No, I mean, it doesn't sound good at all. I understand. The word is You know, and it's interesting. Fatigue, so. Yeah, this is a really important point that you bring up with medication and cognition because one of the big areas that has been seen to improve 
with thyroid medication, even in women who are just what most doctors would consider subclinical hypothyroidism and functional doctors would truly consider hypothyroidism, cognition has been shown to improve even with small amounts of treatment. And and this is not just a short-term issue. You know, as you bring up, this can be a, a real harbinger for longer-term cognitive issues. Oh, you know, and I right now, I mean, I feel great. I'm I'm functional. I've got, you know, energy. I uh but I started to have significant uh visual problems. So now they're mm-hmm. they're testing me for uh ocular myasthenia gravis and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> oh my you gosh, know, you have had such like, a handful. You're like you're oh a walking encyclopedia you know, yourself of what people can do to heal every themselves. day of my life, and Dana knows this because we're very close, uh, is a <laughs> gift for me. I, I learned that very easily with uh, hemolytic uremic syndrome at six years old. I mean, I am grateful every day, and I think that's so very important, but there's times where you're like, okay, white flag. You know, I mean, I, I, I love being a smart patient, but my God, how many how many subjects do we have to cover? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question, if you don't mind. What is it? What is it that led you to have the confidence to to find a doctor? I mean, I'm assuming you your first doctor maybe didn't give you the information, or or did did he or she, or did you have to search for someone who really was on the same page? Well, it's it's kind of a long story. I you know having been a patient for so long, I'm probably not an average patient. So when I really started to have significant cognition issues, I went, holy crap. I walked into my GP. I had a list, B12, vitamin D, TSH, free T3, free T4, TPO, TGAB, you know, uh, ferritin, CRP. I mean, he looked at me like, okay. <laughs> and so, you know, he's like, well, let's just test these. And I said, no, let's just test them all because I know myself and I know what my normal is. And I'm not normal. And so I don't want to wait for you to, you know, take nine months for this. And so, you know, he, yeah. he's known me a long time. And so he ran quite a, he ran all of them. And my, you know, my B12 was critically low. My vitamin D was 19. Uh, my TSH was normal. My, my mm-hmm. antibodies were 297. So he knew. And he said to me, um, let's, you know, B12, let's cover these things. He said, but let's wait and see. Okay, and my ferritin was seven, but my um, my hemoglobin hematocrit were totally normal. Perfect, right smack in the middle. They weren't even on the low end. And so when I first went on thyroid medication, which wasn't right then, by the way, because he said, we're going to wait and see. And I'll never forget, but I think it's really important, and I wish I could talk to physicians and say, when you tell a patient that can't function at all, that has normally been very witty and, you know, funny and, you know, go on the go all the time and super thin. I mean, I gained 55 pounds in a year. So it was like you want to tell them, and I, I started crying, and I said, wait and see for what? For me to die? What, what are we yeah. waiting to see? Yeah. You know? And if I knew what I knew now, I would go back and I would have asked for a small amount of thyroid medication in the beginning because it, makes when, it took two difference. years. Yeah, it two can make it for my thyroid difference. to fall in a treatable yeah. well, range. If you're, too tired, so if you're too tired, how can you right. fix the healthy foods you need to fix and get your and body honestly, moving? Honestly, I can and, tell you, yeah. 
so grateful for ashwagandha. Oh, my God. That herb <laughs> for me was priceless, and I didn't take very much. I only took a quarter teaspoon because I couldn't go over that because yeah. I would, you know, I'd have problems with that. And when I first went on, med- on thyroid medication, when I went on levothyroxine, I felt like I was going to pop. I kept explaining to my endocrinologist, I feel like I'm going to implode. And he'd look at me like, what are you talking about, Tiffany? I'm like, I said, I feel like I'm going to explode from the inside out. Well, then come to find out, you know, that had to do with the ferritin being too low. My body couldn't take the thyroid medication because it exactly. couldn't use it or something. <laughs> so it's like Yeah, you just didn't have, you didn't have the oxygen. Your body's trying to burn oxygen, but there's no fuel because you didn't have the reserves. Right, but man, I'll tell yeah. you, they, they stay so smack in that hemoglobin and hematocrit. You're like, no, please, mm. for God's sake, you know, just. Just test it all. And I, I understand yeah. that medicine has to rule things out. But that Epstein bar, just as a note, came in four years after my original Hashimoto diagnosis because mm. I kept saying, this can't be right. I mean, I feel a little bit better, but I am just, it's crushing. The word is crushing fatigue. It's not fatigue, it's completely abnormal. And then they tested my Epstein bar and it, and it was through the roof. But I'll tell you what, honest to God, Aviva, that was never addressed. They didn't know what to do with it. So I basically did, you know, natural protocols that I found online with, you know, people that I respected in the industry. And, of course, Dana pulled me out of my cave and said, you are coming with me, and we're starting Thyroid Nation Radio. And I was like, are you kidding me? I I can't do this. She's like, you can do this. So she's my ultimate cheerleader that just was not allowing that information to stay in the cave. So so that's, that's kind of how that all progressed. And it's Brilliant. been a journey, and it's still a journey, right? I mean, I feel 90% better, but I'll tell you what, i got a long way to go, right? Yeah. I'm, this is not the end of my battle. This is, you know, this is a journey. This is a journey. It's not a, you know, take this medication and you're done. All right, let me tap you on your fanny. Go have a nice life. Everything's going to be great now. <laughs> not not yeah. always, you know. Well, you know, some I think people that, have gotten that. one of the things, too, is that women are so... We're so taught from such a young age to not question authority, and we have such a hard time challenging our doctors. Um, We're not taught to do that, and doctors can get impatient with patients. They've got their own pressures. We've got our own pressures. And they're so overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen 40 patients a day. It's it's hard. Um, So the system is rounds and everything else, you know? Yeah, the system's just not set up for it. So. You know, I'm so glad you you had support and were able to really dig deep, and you had a lifesaver human being. It sounds like. <laughs> well, yeah. Right, and you know what? You have a you you talked about that amazing design in the very beginning, that instinct to survive, like you said, yeah. to come out of of a certain situation. You know, there is that drive of I am not leaving this planet. For me, that's what it is. I'm not going out without a fight. Yeah, you know, I'm not just going to take something and be done with it and say, okay, that sucks. You know, it's like a constant. I'm not going. I'm not ready. So, you know, I'm going to give it, give it a go. You know, that that is my hungry ghost right there. Is is that's a good one? That's a good one. It is. I love when you said that, girl. I was like, I love that. I'm going to make my kids make a, a hungry ghost picture for me to remind me. That's my hungry ghost chasing me. And, I, you know, in, in a certain respect, I'm super, super grateful for that hungry ghost, honestly. Because oh, otherwise, yeah. I would just, you know, we see so many, and, and, you know, Dana and I see so many patients that just 
resolve to this new normal and resolve to yeah. the fact that the doctor said everything was normal, everything's okay. And they walk out of that office and that becomes their new normal, Aviva. That becomes their their expected life. And holy crap, that sucks. I'm sorry, I'm not very professional, but... You know, I agree, and doctors are basically just sort of saying, well, this is your new normal. I mean, I have had women in their, patients, women in their 20s come to me and tell me their doctor told them that their cognitive dysfunction was aging. I mean, these are women in their 20s, and I kid you not, you can't make this stuff up, who have said things like like that to me, or doctors who have said, well, you know, we don't know why this happens, it just happens, just get used to it, you know, and sort of buck up and live with it, you know, and that's just, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't, and and even and if you have to, even if you have to be on thyroid medication, like you said, that is not the only answer. You had you had reactions to thyroid medication because other aspects of your health, like your ferritin, were out of whack. And so, even if someone does go on thyroid medication, that is not the answer to treating what led to the thyroid or the adrenal dysfunction in the first place. We still have I to get under the you know, that. Thyroid medication is not going to replace iodine deficiency. It's not going to replace B12 deficiency. It's not going to replace vitamin D deficiency. It's not going to fix a, a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. It's not going to fix Epstein Barr. So I mean, there's, and I'm just touching. I mean, you're <laughs> yeah, a physician. Exactly. You probably could just take the end of that and keep going. Oh, you for did another a great job. Definition. You 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 did it, honey. You did it. You know, <laughs> it may help you function. You did it. But it still doesn't fix it. You gotta, you gotta fix the problem, and then if you fix the problem, you may, you may taper off thyroid medication. Well, you know, and but women I can just... with Hashimoto, women with Hashimoto's are also predisposed to other autoimmune conditions. So, right. if you just take the medication Ooh. for the Hashimoto's, but you don't get to the root causes that got you there, you're actually not preventing the other ones from potentially coming later either. Right. No, no. And that's and that is overwhelming. I mean, you know, to hear as an autoimmune patient because you're like, "Oh my, you know, geez. I've got this and I'm I'm trying to work on this and I got to, you know, cuz sometimes you know, like like I was saying a while ago, you know, you're tired until I got to the point where I wanted to advocate and I felt like I could. I was tired and couldn't. And yeah. I couldn't you know, I couldn't get to that point where I needed to keep digging to find my root cause but that's where i'm at right now in my journey um dr rom you're the I, adrenal definition i am she the and adrenal, i are the yes. opposite of thyroid patients we're, we're perfect examples of how different your thyroid condition can be yeah. I mean, we're yes. both hashimoto but she's got massive adrenal problems you know she has low cortisol it's not not producing and and i'm on yeah. the other end so it's it's such a great example, though, for people to say you're not just a Hashimoto hypothyroid. There is another diagnosis, another reason that you got there, or, or at right. least one. At least one reason, right? You could go, you could have five or six, right? And you have to. You two are amazing. You're amazing. You, know? and you must be the cheerleaders for so many people out there who are listening and just feeling like, oh, I am not alone. And that is such an important thing. Like this is. If I could say anything to women, it's you're not alone, it's not in your head, right? It's you're not alone, you're not crazy, you're not alone, you're not crazy. And to hear this that is really happening. <laughs> from an MD, oh my oh. gosh, Aviva, we just love oh. you. We just love we you do. to death. And we've been we wanting you to everything. be on the show for so everything long. About we're, you. we're so oh, glad that you came. Guys. Well, you know, it's an honor. You have a you have a different way of looking at it, and it's the way that that us women want it to be. So we're we're very, very grateful. 
It no, is. And, and we are so excited about that book. <laughs> we are. We I'm need to have it back on when the book comes out. Yeah, oh, yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah, we're going to do some fun stuff, like some really nice pre-order packages and some you know, free programs just to give women a taste of, of what the experience of just feeling like themselves again. That's what I hear so many women say. It's like, oh, Dr. Ram or Aviva, I just want to feel like myself again. And Wow. To, you know, my favorite quote in the world these days is this Chinese proverb that says, when sleeping women wake, mountains move. And that's why the book to me is a revelation. That gave me chills. This me too. always does to me too. And to me, like, if you think about Hashimoto's and adrenal issues, I mean, it makes women so tired. And if we could take, I mean, we know that at least 30 million women have, or 30 million people, most of whom are women, have Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism. And then you add all the millions that have some adrenal dysfunction that don't know about it. I mean, if all of us were just awake and able to bring our best selves to the world, just think what we could do. Oh. So to me, that's a oh. huge revolution. It is. Oh, wow. Just think, wow, we, we might rule the world, like like the, the song says. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We might just rule the world. Uh, you scary. know, let um, me just back up here. We are ruling the world. Oh, well, that's we true. Are. We are. There's we are secretly. We're, prove it. We're always, we're the, we're the brains behind the man, always. So uh, I wanted to tell you. Oh, my gosh. I wanted to tell you and ask you, I know you're going on a trip. Are you allowed to, to say where you're headed? And I know yes, you're going for a talk. I am. I'm teaching in London. Ooh. And um, my husband and I use it as an opportunity for a mutual birthday present to each other to take two weeks in Europe. I've actually never been and I am so excited. So we're going to Amalfi for a week. I have a friend who oh my has God. a home there. Yeah, we're going to Amalfi for a week. Actually, technically a town called Ravello, which is just above Amalfi. Oh, wow. Then Rome for just two days. And then we're using Rome as the jump-off point to Barcelona for a, for six days. So it's oh, oh, how fun. Amazing. <laughs> I'm going to do lots of Instagram. It's so funny. I was going to do this 21 days to replenish yourself program, and, you know, it's got a whole um, adrenal uh, and gut reboot program, and I was going to do it online. And um, my husband said, really, I think we should wait till after that trip because don't you think it'll look really weird to have, you know, thousands of women on an elimination diet while you're Instagramming pictures of, like, wine and pasta in Italy? <laughs> I was like, fair enough, we'll wait. <laughs> Oh, that's right. You know, no, it doesn't. And you know, you want to know why? It's because women need joy. We and do. Women, women need joy back. We've lost all the joy with food. You can't eat this, can't eat that, can't eat this, can't eat that. You I can't know. exercise too much. You can't, you know, do this. And I, I could just, I mean, it's it's almost too much. There's, there are times that so many patients are saying, you know what, I want to, Eat all of this because I want to enjoy my life. And if I die tomorrow, then that's that. But it's really joy true. Has yeah, there's to come that balance back. for people who are really dealing with severe food intolerances to get well. And then, you know, what, is, what messages are our bodies getting, even on an immunologic basis, when we're psychologically right. restricting all the time? It is a, it's a really uh, fine balance I, I try to walk with my patients and also my writing and my teaching and that's kind of where the book really gets to is about how to stay, how to live and stay replenished and how to do that even when certain foods, maybe not the best foods for you, but what right. foods can bring you pleasure. 
But and I love where I'm going. I'm going in a couple well, of weeks, and I'm really I can't, excited. I can't wait. I've got your Instagram up here, so I'm thumbing through. I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, I can't wait. This is going to be fabulous. I'm going to follow your journey. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, oh, thank to, you. I wanted to mention really quick, and you mentioned breath work, and we have a breath work specialist coming on next week. So when you were saying that, I was I was already practicing. But we're going to do a live, um, you know, like a five- or ten-minute demo of that. She's going to talk us through it. So I'm really, really excited about that. She's she's fabulous. So That's really fabulous. And, you know, one and, area that I didn't mention that is so important, um, and I, I really just want to say this, and particularly because you mentioned breath work, is we know that women who have autoimmune disease have a higher uh, rate of having a history of some kind of trauma, whether it's early life trauma or sexual trauma or a trauma that happened within that year before diagnoses and um, or before symptoms really kicked in. And breath work is powerful for kind of getting to the root of that and starting to heal that. And, you know, when your immune system is disrupted, we want to think about, well, why is our body fighting against ourselves? So I love that you're doing that, and that can be so helpful for so many women. Oh, and we're so excited! And I just, um, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, you know, I bet, she, you know, I bet your day does look like that. And it's, it's also really helpful if you have someone who's supportive uh, for that time when you need to do your self care. I'm very lucky in that my husband gets it because I have a lot of self care that needs to go on on a daily basis. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I can't function. And it really helps having having that support system. You know, and I know not all women do, and it's. I see on Facebook groups and things, you know, divorce, and it just breaks my heart. So for the yeah. younger crowd that's listening, choose wisely because you just never know. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, also I think sometimes even if the support isn't there, it's so easy for us to use that as a reason not to do it. But what's amazing, too, is that when you change the dance, you know, when you change the dance steps, as I as I said in a class I was teaching recently the person that you're with can't do the tango if you're doing the bump, right? Like if you need to change the way things go, <laughs> you have to right. just change the dance steps yourself. And so sometimes even if the support for self-care isn't there, sometimes you have to sort of, you know, excuse the French, say screw it, and because right. you know that wasn't really what I said, and um, right. in French, <laughs> yeah. um, and do it anyway. And then sometimes what happens is, your partner starts to see, wow, okay, things are changing here, and I got to I kind of want to get some of what she's got, you know. Right. Yeah, there's right. a there's a great quote that she posted. I guess to you on stage. It says, "Caring for myself is not self-indulgent; it is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare." Warfare. Absolutely. I just I scrolled down and saw I that, and love I just that. love it. Yep, that's Audre Lorde, the uh, great Lord. African American feminist radical. Uh, writer, and I thought, well, if she can take time for self-care, <laughs> the rest of yeah, us can then, too. Then we're doing it. Then we're right. doing it. Okay. Well, we will. We know you have to we'll go, listen. and and we have been, you know, just we're so looking forward to this show. So thank you so much. Yep. I want to ask. Oh, okay, but tell you. us something. Tell us something about yourself. Something fun or, or interesting that not many people know. Just give us a fun, you know, Aviva tip or. or Something that you like. I mean, you're maybe you're an opera singer, or maybe you know you like to basket weave under the water. Who knows? Tell us something no, about. I actually do like knows. basket weaving. I, I am <laughs> a craft person, but I would say like my my most fun thing that I like to do that my poor husband has to t- 
tolerate is I crank up the music so loud in the car and sing mm. so loud. It's ridiculous. Like I've had men like pull down, roll down their windows and ask me out on dates because I'm like rocking out in the car. I'm like, no, sorry, I'm doing this for myself, not for you. Here. We but, needed um, a Viva video of that. You, now we do. you know, it's so funny. I just heard that. Um, I can't remember if it was Elizabeth Gilbert or Brené Brown did an Instagram of of themselves dancing, and I thought, all right, I got to do it too. That's the wild awesome. dance parties, and, and it's funny. Yes. Like, the wild dance parties for me are like the Clash or Black Lips or this, you know, boy, low psychos, metal band, punk metal band. But people would I love it. to see that in an end. Oh, I would. It's like it's re- you are so real. You got to do it. Got to do it. And I you play air it. guitar. I play the meanest air guitar you have ever seen. <laughs> Oh, so so we're doing it. So we're All I'm right, on I your promise Instagram. I will. Okay, I you gotta give, cool. give us a shout out too because we're we're so excited. So Carpool can... karaoke, and we're gonna do you're gonna do some kind of you know crazy dance to to some heavy metal punk. And oh, we want car karaoke, huh? Car <laughs> karaoke. I really like former... comedy too. I really love just that. Laughing. Oh, yeah, I love so laughing. Sweet. I do. Laughing and music. Those are my therapies right my, there. Honest to God, if you had to put it in two, those are and, dancing. Right and dancing. And dancing. The former Thank Zumba instructor, dancing. All right, you know, girls, uh, we're going to have to meet somewhere for the, the dance party. Yes. We're going to do it. Okay, <laughs> we'll have a great, great trip. And Thank we'll have you, you back on the show and when, the book, when the book comes out. Thank I you so much. I would love that. Thank you so much for everything you guys Thank do. Thank you. Have a wonderful trip, and we just love you. Thank you. Bye, ladies. Bye. Bye. You know I gotta say it. <laughs> I, I want to say, it, and this time I mean it. <laughs> no, I do. I just love the guests that we get on Thyroid Nation. Just love it. Love it. She was. <sighs> what a breath of fresh air! And the fact that she's like jamming out. I mean, I can. T- I was closing my eyes and I was like picturing her. Right? I thought that would be so fun. I mean, she, when she said she played a mean air guitar, so I'm like helping her, you know, and in I've in got my eyes closed and I'm helping her play a really mean guitar, we could right? be the first girl air band. I know, right? <laughs> Thyroid uh, advocate air band. How fun. You yeah, can she was find great. all things amazing, wonderful, just, I oh, can't even think of, of a word to describe her. All things Aviva Rom at Aviva Rom, that's spelled A V. I-V-A-R-O-M-M dot com. She's amazing. She is extraordinary. Uh, and I'm she just, is kind of a super mom. I really just... I'm pumped. Little kids and doing all that. I know, me too. It makes me feel like I need to go up and go do something. As always, a very big thank you to our listeners. Uh, we do this for you guys, and we really appreciate you tuning in and listening to us and sharing the show. We'd also love some feedback and some reviews there's a place to do that on itunes and and on blog talk radio so just give us your thoughts and uh, we we are grateful to have you every single week every single week be sure to check out thyroid nation essentials at thyroidnation.com just wonderful supportive thyroid care uh inhalers aromatherapy inhalers and and healthy complexion uh, mists and serums and just good stuff clean no preservatives beneficial very beneficial and, you know, skin and, and body and face and, and, you know, whatever care that just kind of makes your day a little more, a little more special. And Tiff and I put lots of love and light into 
to this product, so hopefully you feel it on the on the other end. So check it Human out. Essential it's on oils our, on can our... be very supportive. They can be very oh. supportive care times of anxiety and and when you need help with thinking and cognition and and um, you know just they they can be really supportive. So that's why we did that. And uh, check it out. There's there's no preservatives. There's no there's nothing in it. Uh, no they're synthetic. in glass bottles. No synthetic. Good clean old fashioned stuff. That's right. So Aviva should appreciate that. I mean, I can picture you with your big cauldron. I can kind of picture her with her big cauldron, you know, with all of her herbs and stuff. And uh, she's been doing that for such a long time. I'm sure a long time ago people thought she was odd for practicing natural remedies and that kind of thing. And now here we are. I don't are, think she cares. You know, I don't think she cares either. <laughs> for her. I'm, look, I'm I thinking think of those people. Her. Look at her out on. Totally, right? Gave her direction. <laughs> Okay, make sure to follow awesome. Thyroid Nation at thyroidnation.com. And on Facebook, we have a Hashis and Graves uh, support group. And there is a list or there is a, a post in there about a fantastic survey that we have going on. I yes. could, um, it's, it's a really long name. Um, otherwise, I did make a bit.ly for it. So maybe that will, that will help. Um, it is bit.ly. Super yeah, important. A, yes. You explain it while I'm looking for the, for the link real quick. Grab your, your thyroid labs. It's, a, it's an app that's being developed for thyroid patients. Uh, you put in your journey, your, your co-infections. Your, they're looking for information to make thyroid care better, for, to make you a better advocate for yourself. It is so very important. So follow that link through that. Through that. Uh, I think it's four. I was just trying to look for the... Uh, I know, and I made a bit.ly for it. Bit.ly slash okay, so thyroid follow app that. survey. Or and you can do a bit.ly. Sorry. And the, the benefit is, is then you can see what the collective responses of other thyroid patients have been. That was one of the things I enjoyed the most, was going back and looking and seeing what other thyroid patients are saying. So what this is doing is this is making a huge global voice for us. This is something that can demand recognition for, for patients and what is going on with us. So take the time fill out the survey, and then you can read the responses afterwards. You need to do it. And it doesn't really take very long. I mean, I don't know, six or seven, eight minutes. It was, And it was really relevant to me, so I was interested in every single question because, you know, it was like, wow, this is they're asking questions that I want to answer. So I have a bit.ly for it, bit.ly slash thyroid app survey, APP survey. You can try that out. There's also inside the group, we've, um, we've put the link there. I'm going to put it on my Facebook page as well. So, Check that out. And if you um, can't find the link, really email neat. us. That's we'll right. get it to you. It's important. You need to do it. It is our voice, and it is our global voice, okay? Let's do it. Let's get that information out there so we can change thyroid care and make it better. Yay. Yay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, Dana and I, most importantly, want to remind you that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluation. We say it on every show. Aviva Ram said it. I know when my body needs something. You have to listen. You are unique. You are exceptional. There is only one you. So make sure to always listen to your own body and be mindful of what it is telling you. It will tell you. It will tell you. Listen there and first. It could, it could be something as simple as eating something and then your throat being scratchy. Or, right, you know, right, right. maybe you're allergic to it. Maybe you need to pay attention to to the signs. Or maybe when you eat something and you get the, 
the phlegm in your throat right after you eat, whatever it was you were having. You know, um, Dr. God, Peter Osborne was on last week. He was saying, you know, if 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 you get if that happens after you've eaten something, then it's something you ate, right? So listen to your body. Your body is is you know designed to tell you what works and what doesn't. So absolutely be mindful of what it's telling you. Listen to it and take action too. So. Okay, guys, this is a fantastic show. Thank you so much. This is Dana, your Thyroid Nation Gringa Tika from Costa Rica, living in Colorado Springs right now. <laughs> and Tiffany Melanitz of Grateful Garden. Bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united, we heal. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Breathwork Live. Join us.